0: Hey guys, Hi Taravousan here. Welcome to the Power of Mindset podcast, episode number eight. I think two more episodes we'll get into the double digits, and I'll start naming the episode numbers. Uh, what did I want to make this episode about? I did have recently a pretty good coaching call, and there's a couple of points we talked about on the coaching call that I thought would be very relevant to share. And I wanted the theme and the title of this episode be high performing team member or high performing team common denominators. Uh, I've been very blessed to have some of the highest producing team members work in my office, whether if it's on sales or service side, Um, to give perspective as an insurance business, an average office probably writes anywhere between 80 to 100 applications per month. And what's an application? So let's say a family comes to us, they've got two cars and a home and a life insurance policy, right? So that's uh, four policies total, right? So eighty to hundred seems to be the industry average. Where we have this obsession in our office is how do we have a team member on their own to do a hundred applications in one month? And we have ton of them that have done it. And actually, we have few of them that broke a record, questionably the highest producing team members in the country and there's ever been. Uh, one of our girls, Diana, cracked two hundred for the first time. Then we had Jacob crack two hundred uh, in our office as well, and my brother's office. With a lot of similar mindset and systems coaching, he's had one also that cracked 200 applications. So very high performing, very rare, but it's funny how one comes second, one comes third comes. It kind of reminds me of the story of Roger Ballister in 1954, when he went on the journey to crack the four minute mile at the time where doctors were saying, you cannot keep this threshold. Your heart would explode. Try to do this for four minutes. He did it. And ever since then, close to 2000, probably 2000 plus people have cracked the four minute mile since 1954, it took that one weirdo to do it. And when people see it's a possibility to do it again. And actually, I talked to my brother's team member, um, Jahan, and asked him, so what made you want to shoot for 200 plus on your own? He said, well, you told me Diana from your office did it. So why not? Right. So it just tells you that there's a lot of limiting belief systems. We do set governors ourselves. And when you remove them, you truly see what you're capable of. And me finding some of the most successful producers, team members, and having this amazing team I have, um, I've seen a lot of common denominators between who they are. So I made this list, and we had a, a coaching session with a hundred couple of agents on the call. And and this is the this is what I was sharing, and I'm gonna share with you guys. Make it lighter and quicker. You know, we don't have to make this into a, over an hour uh, episode. I'll try to keep it as short as possible and brief. But here are the points I talked about. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine total points that we discussed. I with an amazing call, lots of good feedback. And these are the things my team have taught me. So I'm not making these up. These are the things I've observed, seeing them coming to me with no sales background, no customer service background, no customer experience background. And now they're some of the highest producing, best feedback, record-breaking, you name. There's so much they've achieved. It's been crazy to even sometimes I have to pinch myself to realize the numbers that they're putting up. It's insane. Um, first one, I think this is a common one. If you talk to my team, every single one of them would agree. You remove this one, none of it is relevant. Uh, good old-fashioned hard work. So it's item number one. This is key. This is common denominator of all successful people. And there is a uh, statistical number actually. They say if you put 10% more effort, you get 40% more results. Now there's a little bit of a truth and myth to this. Are you telling me I have to go beyond working 40 hours a week? Well, in many cases, yeah. You want to set. Better numbers. You want to make more income. You have to put in more effort. Now, there's also people who don't even work the forty, like they clock in and clock out. Just because that clock in clock out happens does not mean they're actually putting in the effort. That's actually a lie. I know ten a ton of people that are putting in twenty five hours a week, but the clock says forty. Can you be ten percent more efficient instead of twenty five? Can you make it a thirty? Right, instead of thirty, can you make it a forty? In reality, I think a lot of people are intimidated thinking to drive high numbers and a lot of results. I have to put in all this 80, 90 hours a week. And if you look at my team, some of them who've done 240 applications compared to the one who does 24, that's 10 times more. And I promise you this, they're not working 800 hours a week. Yes, they're more efficient. There's a lot of training involved. as how to do it better and how to be more efficient with the customer in the conversation, not to drag it too long. There's those pieces as well, but it's not 10 times the effort. In many ways, a lot of people are not even putting the effort that they say they are. So can you put in 10% more effort than you pretend to do? And in, in performance-based jobs, you know the, the, the great thing about what you make, right, is the result of what you're worth. So the good thing about sales is you get paid what you're worth. The bad thing about sales, you get paid what you're worth. So increase your worth by 10%, you might have actually 40% more results. Now, what would that look like if you do 20% more, right? So let's say you're working, You're clocking in 40 hours a week, but in reality, you're actually only doing 30 hours worth of work. What's 20% more? Well, you go from 30 to 36 hours. That's 20% extra effective work as far as calling, having educational conversation with customers, overcoming objections, doing a good job of asking for introductions and and, growing your pool of customers. It doesn't matter what you're selling, by the way. Insurance happens to be what we do, but in reality, the denominator between successful people is the same. If you put in 20 more percent, well, could that be 40 more percent results? Absolutely. Now, what if some people are doing 20% less than what they're required to do, which is a lot of people, by the way, right? So if you put in 10% more, you get 40% more results. You put 10% less, you get 40 less percent results. That's an 80% difference. Now, what if you do 20% more than you're expected to do compared to the one who does 20% less? It doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's a multiplier of 40% for every 10 so it's no longer an 80% increase. It's 160. So sometimes just, again, if you can work 10 to 20% more, you can have 160 to even 200% more, right? So it's not about working 10 times more. It's a, it's a smaller percentage than that. There's a multiplier and my team is proving me right. You don't need to work 80 hours a week. Yes. Some of my killers are putting in 60 to 70, but they're getting 20 times the result of some an, an, an average person in the industry makes excuses, uh, customers are not responding, You nobody's picking up the phone call, this is difficult. In reality, it's excuses, excuses, as my football uh, coach in high school said, excuses are like assholes, we all got them and they all stink. Uh, point number two, point number two is broken down to four points, actually. It's an acronym I came up with, I featured this acronym, ac- acronym in my book. I came up with this to quickly disqualify candidates during interviews. This was about 15 years ago now, uh, PDCC. Um, I remember back when I was getting into the business and I wanted to attract people who were more like me. And I was thinking to myself, what's a quick way for me to define who I am and and how I am as far as personality. So I want to be able to get more similar people like myself in the business because when I was a producer, I, and I've sold cars, I've sold cell phones, I worked at Radio Shack, uh, and I've sold insurance policies. And typically in any sales job I've done, I was one of the top producers. So how do I attract more top producers? And I quickly came up with this acronym. P stands for positivity, D stands for drive, C stands for coachability, the last C stands for competitiveness. So, and that would really describe me. If you were ever to ask me, hike, rank yourself on a scale of one to 10, how positive are you? I would say is 11 an option. How driven are you? Is 11 an option? How coachable are you? Is 11 an option? How competitive are you? Is 11 an option? So that's my response. And I came up with this acronym to quickly disqualify bad resumes. Because sometimes, again, this is, market's changing. In the last couple of years, you post the job ad, nobody's responding. Actually, I'm noticing a lot more people responding now because things are shifting. The economy's changing. But 13, 14 years ago, you post a job ad, there was a lot of applicants. It was very normal to get 30 to 50 resumes. So I had to quickly disqualify. I would get prospects on the phone, say, hey, before we proceed to anything further or interview in the office, which becomes very time consuming. At the time I was running the business, I had more time than money. So I was using the time to sell, train, majority of the business operation was on me. The sales were on me. The service was on me. I didn't have time to to be the HR person full-time on top of that. 12, 14, 16 hour days, just what was barely enough for me to keep up with the sales numbers. So quickly, I would disqualify candidates by saying on a scale of one to 10, can you tell me how positive you are? If I hear eight or less, they didn't have an appealing response of why I wouldn't even proceed to the next question. How driven are you on a scale of one to 10, cultural competitive? The reason why I wanted them to rank themselves high number because that's what I would do. And if they didn't, I wanted to hear a good response because some people would be like, you know what? I'm, you know, on a scale of one to 10 positive, I'm a seven. Well, why is that? I'm listening to a good response. And and I wanted to hear, you know, sometimes life hits you, you are not positive that day, but you get back up next morning and you try to be a 10 the next day. Like those are the kind of responses I was looking for. But when people are like, you know what? I'm a wet blanket, I'm negative economy. And they give me these reasons that I wouldn't give to me. I'm like, you know, okay, sounds good. And I would actually often tell him no. And it was sometimes it would turn to negative conversation. i would get attitude and it would impact me subconsciously. So what I ended up doing is saying, Hey, you know, thank you for, for your like five minutes, 10 minutes, If I don't get back to you by end of the day today, I give the job to somebody else. It would save me a phone call, save me a negative conversation. I was having too many negative conversations to begin with from cold calling. And the last thing I wanted to do is Start telling candidates they're not good enough. So I just told them, hey, if I don't get back to you by the end of the day, I give the job to somebody else. So PDCC is a big one. And my entire team right now, if you look for as far as commonalities, their personality traits, they are 10 out of 10 positive. Do we complain? Yeah. Do we nag in the office once in a while? Of course. Sometimes I feel like I'm a babysitter in the office. But we are very positive. We always look at the cup as half full, you know, half empty happens once in a while. But also if I notice the environment does get negative we're in a business where in most businesses, when a phone rings, there's a problem, right? So can you stay positive? And my job as the leader is to keep the team positive because often there's a confirmation bias where one negative team member gets with another negative team member, or there's a negative situation. They just escalate, make that worse. So renting, uh, venting turns into ranting. And my job is to cut that off. So I try to spread positivity, but also I look for positive team members driven. They're very driven. They all want to be the best versions of themselves. And that's a piece we really focus on. We never really had a goal of somebody writing 100 applications on their own or 200. But when we started focusing on what's the best you can do today, can you be more efficient? Can you explain this better to a customer? Can you ask for a referral better, an introduction better? Can you show up a little bit earlier? Can you do a little bit more? I mean, a lot of these lessons were translating to fitness, to other goals as well. But my job as a leader is to make sure my team stays driven. But also when you find somebody internally driven, it's effortless to keep them there and make them better. Uh, coachable, like in the everlasting change world of business where systems change, the buttons change, the, you know, the colors of schemes change, the, um, the way we uh, give products changes, products always adapt and evolve and get better and can be selling what we used to sell 20 years ago now in the sales business. And it doesn't matter even if you're a dentist or a doctor, you know, dentures change, prescriptions change. You have to be adapting to what's happening with the new research and new technology. So if you're not on the cutting edge of the best product, you become irrelevant. Yes, human nature has not changed. That's why it's very general as far as high performers who they are. Um, But as far as the product itself, it does always change. You have to have people who are coachable and they have to be open to be Also, if they get negative, they have to be coachable to get positive again. So coachable people are very important. And last but not least is the last C, which is competitive. That's a big one too, because again, when I asked another team member, why were you shooting for 200 or a hundred? Because you did it, right? So if somebody does something better than you, you should lose sleep over that, right? What's the motivational factor behind trying to be better than others? There's unhealthy competitiveness. There's also healthy competitiveness, but... Why should somebody do something that you're passionate to get good at better than you? If they do, learn from them, study them, and my team will tell you we make each other better. And if somebody's irrelevant, I don't care what they're doing. Well, you do not belong on the high performing team. I will find a way to coach you out. So that's a big one positive, positive, uh, Positive, driven, coachable, competitive. Um, when it comes to, let's see, I'm going to call that the PDCC, the, the four other items, right? The next item I I really enjoy, and this is a common pattern amongst all high performers, is they execute, as in they take initiative. They're not waiting on more coaching. They initiate on what they know, as in sometimes I've learned this on both sides of the spectrum. Some good executors will not execute until they learn how to build the watch. Right? They have to know the mechanism inside. They have to know the material. They have to know manufacturer. They have to know where the parts come from. So before you can get somebody to sell a watch, some good executionists do need to know everything. It's hard for me to coach that person because that's not me. I just tell me which buttons do what, tell me what the screen means and I'll sell it. Um, so I need very minimum amount of information to execute. It took me a while to learn that it is not the perfect formula. Sometimes as a leader, as a coach, you have to Teach somebody how to build the watch and they will execute flawlessly just as good as the person who needs minimum information. Now, the people that execute on minimum information tend to get to good levels quicker because they might not be boggled down the detail to learn to learn the details that they don't need to know. But some people, again, they to get the confidence to execute, they need more knowledge. So as a leader, I had to acknowledge that I've got two types of talent that execute, both execute. Just because this one is not executing, it does not mean it's not for them or they're better at executing. I had to figure out, and this is what I've learned by coaching dozens and at this point, hundreds of people in the business, they need coaching product knowledge. You do, they will execute. Some don't. You just keep them motivated, give them very minimal amount of information, they'll execute on minimum, right? So I've had some amazing producers in this office on both sides, and they will both execute. And once they're trained, you give them very minimal instructions, they execute. You don't have to micromanage them. I always say micromanage your system, your system will micromanage your team, and we do have a... Uh, good system, but again, all high performance to initiate. As in, it will be quick, they will execute, and you know, it's really it's really hard to slow them down. I uh, had one of my newbies in the start of month cracked the hundred application barrier. Why? Well, he didn't have the knowledge. He wasn't waiting to learn more. I actually messed up a lot. He frustrated my experienced team on how many issues we were getting from underwriting, how many concerns we were having as far as canceled accounts because they weren't properly finalized, but I'm okay with that. I'd rather have somebody who's got the guts. He's got that, you know, the friendly kid in the playground who's hurting himself and hurting other kids, but I can kind of coach him out because he's got the heart. He wants to do well. He's competitive. He's positive. He's driven. He's coachable. And um, year in now, this candidate is now doing really well in the office. Um, The other piece is the machines of routine. This is a big one. I can't tell you how often I hear hear this from people who, I don't want to call them losers, but in a way, maybe I'll say less performers, less performers. I'm just so sick of doing the same thing over and over. Okay. So let's think about that for a second. You get sick of brushing your teeth. Stop brushing your teeth. What happens? You get sick of maintaining a good marriage same date night. It's the same compliment. It's the same person in bed. It's the same person at the coffee table. It's the same person at the dining table. Well, you get sick of that. What happens? Okay. I think you have the answer to that question. Things fall apart. You get sick of working out. Yeah. You can switch to the different kind of fitness. You can go from kind of like how I did it. I went into weightlifting, you know, yeah, I got huge. I was like 260 plus pounds strong, you know, I got sick of it. I moved. Now if I would have stayed there, I would have probably been one of those guys in 7,800 pound squats and deadlifts and, you know, five, 600 bench press. Again, I got sick of it. I moved, but I, to me, I was okay with that because I wasn't shooting to get great at that. I just did that because we did that in high school in wrestling and football and, you know, I transitioned to marathons and triathlons. I kept moving different sports, Spartan races. So I never really got really great at one of those things, but I'm sure if I would have stayed, I would have, but again, that was not my goal. My goal is just general fitness. Like right now, I'm, I think I'm graduating from triathlons. What what will I do next? I don't know. Maybe CrossFit. We'll figure that piece out. But I am after general fitness. So I'm okay with the switch. But when people tell me I'm just going to be done, like that's the problem. So in business specifically, when you have a, a high-producing salesperson, whether it's they're selling medical equipment or they're selling cars or insurance in our office or financial services or stockbroker, you do have to repeat the same thing because 98 to 99% of people, they get sick of doing the same thing. They stop. But the top 1%, you talk to anybody at the highest level, they've been doing the same thing for a decade over and over and over. So if you want the results that majority does not have, be willing to do what majority is not willing to do, which is repetition, robotic work. Because all great results come from repeating the same thing so many times. You just have to out-repeat for a longer period of time the next person who's under-repeating for a shorter period of time. That's it. That is the formula to succeeding and doing things better than others. Repeat the same thing. And not just repetition, deliberately. Look for patterns, follow patterns, create patterns. As in, what's a pattern I can keep repeating? Okay, that's a good pattern. That won't make sense. Oh, that's a bad pattern. So I'm going to cut that out. I'm going to follow it. So look for patterns, follow the pattern. Do it over and over and over, the repetition. And then if you get really good, add your own flavor to it. So that's a piece that's very, very important is find what works and repeat it over and over and over. Um, this is a good, this is a good one. Don't make excuses. Uh, you know, it's, it's a tough place to be because I make excuses. I've, I was injured for several weeks. I uh, just did Ironman 70.3. Um, I probably trained in a six week prep as much as typically I would train during one week prep during those six weeks. It was hard race. Yeah, body gave up, mile six. I had to start walking. You know, the, the slowest swim I did, like a 40 minute swim, it was horrible. Bike was uh, like two hours and forty minutes. I kept about twenty point eight miles an hour decent. And then the run, yeah, it was just brutal. Kept walking and running. I felt like I was passing out. Um, I was so regretful that I didn't give my best during training. I was making all these excuses, but I feel like I had a somewhat of a legitimate injury. But my coach heard so many excuses from me. In reality, I still went out there, did okay. I placed in top 20%, which if I give myself some credit, I just showed up to a place with a bunch of fit people who do Ironman. You have to be fit to do that race. Beat 80% of them. Again, that's my competitive side. Beat. Why do I even talk about that? It's irrelevant. Everybody got the same medal. But to me internally, man, I want to do it better, right? If something's worth doing, do your best. And- And I'm one of the most positive people who makes least amount of excuses knowing that I make excuses a lot. I complain a lot. I do that in business. Sometimes I used to complain about the reason why our business model doesn't do as well in Washington as California or Texas or Florida is because we're limited by the type of the people that live here. It's the market demographic. And I I made those excuses up until I removed the excuses. And all of a sudden now we're doing the numbers. Those guys are, and actually we're beating a lot of them. Um, It just taught me that quit making excuses, right? And a lot of, my team does make excuses, but we don't believe them. And it's okay, it's in human nature to do so. Question is what are you doing to make valid excuses? But no, it's the fact that I'm not gonna be okay with this long term. Yes, I'll, 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 I'll vent a little bit, but I'm gonna get back to work. So a lot of high performing team members tend to make less excuses. Now, just because you say an excuse doesn't mean you mean it. There's a lot of people who don't make excuses as far as like, they don't say it. Well, this person never made an excuse, but in their head, there's so many limiting excuse belief systems in their head. that They're just not doing the stuff as in they are the existence example of an excuse. They don't make enough calls. They don't, they're not enough for, they're not forgiving enough. They don't train enough. They don't wake up early enough. There's a lot they're not doing because they're, they are an excuse. So don't make excuses and be honest with yourself. The most honest feedback you have to give to is yourself. You cannot lie to yourself. Just because you're not making excuses verbally does not mean you're not doing it subconsciously, subliminally, internally. And the last piece I'll talk about, um, this is a good one. Uh, You don't let personal life to get on the way of your job. Give you guys a quick story on this one. And why I mean, I think this is a really big one too, because a lot of people have personal life and it just ruins their careers. And career is financial problems are majority cases of divorces. And then you, that impacts the career again and goes back and forth. And you have this, this, you're stuck in this rut of bad luck in life. But in reality, again, if you don't let your personal life impact work, work does better, make more, perform better. You feel better at work. You take that home. It helps you with your personal life. Work is the longest thing we do. So it's very important to make it work. So if I tell you that don't bring your personal issues out at, to work, because my team is like, "Hey, you don't have any personal issues. And- when I start telling them about the year that I had to train for all the races, I got into IRS audit, we were moving, there was issues. I mean, that caused arguments at home. We've had challenges back and forth. I had, you know, family, they're stuck in during a war. And I mean, there's there's a million different things that were going on in my life at one point where it's very hard for me to accept being overwhelmed. And I'm like, I'm stretching myself too thin. I remember, even, I remember my wife was like, "Hey, you really never said you've been overwhelmed before, but you're saying it now. I'm like, yeah. It's not fun to have an IRS audit, to move a house, to open up another location. Ellen and I did an audit on the construction business I was running. Um, I had to study for my securities license at the same time. I I had Ironman coming up. It was it was so much that I, I cut sleep for like six months. I got through it, but none of my team members in the office knew that in reality, I was in kind of a dark place. There was way too much going on in my life. Stress levels over the roof. Maybe the fact that I was cutting sleep and training is what helped me deal with it. If I didn't train, maybe it would have come out more, but it was nice to come to the office and sit down and rest because I'm like, okay, now I can do some files for IRS and send them forms. And thankfully it's all over. Welcome to life. What goes down comes back up. What goes up comes down. So when your things are going really well, be cautiously optimistic. Things are going really bad. Be cautiously optimistic. Come out of that too. Um, Girl from our office, uh, she battled, she got diagnosed with, uh, with cancer. And privacy reasons won't say the name. And it was a rough time where she had to go through radiation. And I remember at the time I I go up to her, like, you take the whole month off, do whatever you got to do. I mean, this is just a job, right? And her feedback was, can I at least try to work? I like getting my mind away from the fact that I could be dying. Let me just Lose myself within the conversation. Make calls. Talk to the team. It's a very positive atmosphere here. Why would I disconnect myself from something that actually gives me a, um, gives me hope, gives me disconnect from this personal issue? Can I just let me try? I'm like, okay, at any time, take the time off. The whole month is on me. Don't worry about it. No, no, no I want to show up. It was a radiation month. It was a, it was a tough month, and I would actually have her come to, with me to track practices on Tuesdays. We do a jock together. We talk. Very emotional, tears were shared. Um, You know, deep, meaningful conversations about life and God, and got through the month. And in that one month, she actually outproduced most people. Actually, the highest producer in the office still did a hundred plus applications at the time when nobody else was doing a hundred. And an amazing, amazing opportunity for me to learn because I don't know what have I done that when I was if I had such a tough month, knowing that death is knocking on my doorstep, maybe. Maybe God hasn't chosen me to have that kind of a path in my life did for her. And she was a great example to let me know, let rest of the people in the business know you got excuses. You're full of shit. I have, I had a legitimate excuse. I chose to work through it because work helped me with this excuse and work actually helped me deal with this better. So in reality, you can treat your job as a therapy to help you deal with personal issues, health issues and challenges, problems at home. And if this therapy is something that's helping reset you better, isn't that going to impact your life on the outside of the business? Because this is, again, is the longest thing we do. And again, that impacts your career. You make more, you do better, and you can take that home. And when you take that home, it impacts your home. And when you have a more positive home atmosphere, you bring that to work and both work together and you get off work energized. You have energy to work out. So yes, personal life happens. We all have problems. We all have issues. Some bigger, some smaller, some very bad things can happen in some people's life, which is like, there's not much you could do if there's death or something like that. But majority, 98% of the issues that happen, they don't have to impact what you do. And that's what a lot of high performers do. They leave their problems at home or they lock it up in a glove compartment in their car before they come in. I sense it, of course, as the leader of the business team senses, but they don't make excuses. They work through it their machines are routine. They stay positive driven, coachable, competitive. They take initiative quick. And again, the biggest one is good old fashioned hard work. If you're only limited to working 40 hours, trust me, you'll do really well, but just work the whole 40. Don't clock in and clock out, but realistically you work 25 and make it seem like I can't put in more hours because I got kids, I got hobbies, I got this, I got that commitment. In reality, you can do so much more with your time if you're more effective. So, that was my share about high-performing team, common denominators. Hopefully that was useful for you guys. And uh, two more episodes and a lot more good uh, good contents coming up, you guys. And I uh, really enjoy recording these for you. And hopefully this has been something you've been taking value from me as well. And my ask to you is execute. If there's something that you like that you heard that I shared because of what I'm learning and what I'm sharing, uh, and, and share some of that with me, right? I I am pretty active on social media. I do get some notes and uh, from some of my peers who watch these episodes, I actually get some text messages or emails or give or take phone call conversations around these. Um, I find a lot of joy in knowing I'm making a difference. So appreciate the opportunity to share these things with you and to a lot more lessons and many more um, uh, stories from either the book, the business or my personal life to come. Cheers.